2: I can't, military's all about acronyms. And so I came up with one, and think about it, um, we're all products of our parents, and the acronym is poop. (laughs) You know, we're products of our parents. I mean, as much as I love my dad, I hate some of the things that he's passed on to me.
3: Welcome to How To. I'm Carval Wallace. At one point or another, we have all encountered worried parents. They could have been your own parents, maybe your friend's parents, or if you're like me, then you are the worried parent. It's not a new idea or feeling, but for our listener this week, being a parent in 2023 does feel a little bit different.
2: My name's Keith. I'm a graphic designer by trade. I also was in the Air Force. I retired in 2007 as a public affairs officer, and I'm the father of three boys. Let's see, 14, 17, and 21 as of Tuesday.
3: Keith lives in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, where he drives a school bus part-time. He prides himself on being resourceful and self-reliant, and he's tried to pass those same qualities on to his boys, but this is where the worry comes in. His middle son, Ben, is a senior in high school. And Keith doesn't have a lot of confidence that Ben is ready for what the world has in store. And as a man who takes care of things, that makes Keith a little nervous.
2: I always encourage them to look for the experience and not just like the book knowledge or something like that. Get your hands dirty, get out there and, you know, interact with people because to me... You know that's what life's all about—is having these relationships.
3: How do you think your kids would describe you as a parent?
2: Uh, well, um, I am the guy that—I I hate to say it—but there's a progressive ad campaign right now where the old, the, the old mustached you guy is, you know, dealing with these these parents. Be don't the be your parents. Come on in. <laughs> the more, the merrier. Paris, huh? <laughs> Bonjour. Oh. We got any out-of-towners in the elevator? Tom, it is not easy. I've explore. always been somebody that will talk do? to anyone, perfect strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, it has driven my kids and my wife nuts at times. But I also feel like it's, it's kind of a, a nice illustration of how I would hope that my kids might not be socially awkward. Uh, and part of the whole reason why I reached out originally was... Uh, our middle son, who's 17, is very, very introverted. So it's, it's very mm-hmm. hard for him to, to just drum up a conversation or to make a friend or, or whatever. And I just want to be the best dad I can be, you know, at the end of it all. That if I can do that before I kick it, you know, that's my mission.
3: Well, let's talk, let's talk about this middle son. What is the question that you have? What is the thing you're seeking help with regarding this introspective, um, introverted middle son who's teaching himself guitar and navigating the world his own way? What's, yeah. What struggle do you have with him?
2: I don't see him being a traditional college student, but at the same time, he's very, very intelligent. Mm. Um, I would probably put him at the top of the three boys right now. He could do anything. He came home and he, he just said, you know, Dad, I, I just don't understand in high school how, how to connect the dots with math and English and social studies and whatever, physical ed and all those things. And, and somehow bring that all together and come up with a career for myself. My favorite word is participate. You know, you got to step up and do something. You can't just talk. Like my son, he might want to be a musician. Who in the community could he go and talk to um, and actually get a really good feel for what that's like to be a musician and making a living at it?
3: As a dad, Keith would love nothing more than to get in there and solve this problem for Ben. Help him chart a course, find a career, settle on a path. But the problem for parents is that Deciding what our kids should do is a whole lot easier than making them do it. So that's why I asked an old friend and colleague to join us today.
1: My name is Rebecca Lavoie. Uh, You might recognize me as one of the former co-hosts of Slate's Mom and Dad are Fighting. I work at New Hampshire Public Radio. I run the podcast unit there, and I also host the podcast Crime Writers On, as well as some other ones.
3: Rebecca isn't only a gifted podcaster with lots of parenting experience. She's also a recent empty nester herself. So, on today's show, we'll discover that what starts off as a parenting question for Keith may turn out to be something much deeper. Stay with us.
4: This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design.
3: Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
1: Keith, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, So you you come from a military background, so obviously you've been in an environment where, and by the way, you sound like an incredibly sensitive father, but I'm just wondering if your perspective um, is somewhat, you know, Influenced by the fact that you've been surrounded in your entire career by people who basically kind of are recruited and know what they're going to do at 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. And Uh, I I wonder, have you had the conversation with your son at all around, like, it is completely okay to be a completely unmoored ship and have no idea? I mean, it's arbitrary that we ask in some ways uh, or expect kids who are 17 to have any idea what they're going to do in 10, 15, 20 years.
2: Uh, It's funny you bring that up because when I was 17, my best friend in high school and I uh, enlisted in the Air Force. I had no idea at the end of my high school really what I wanted to do. I didn't even really consider college because it just didn't seem to be something that was achievable. Uh, My parents were blue collar, you know, um, and I had great role models in them as far as, their work ethic, but with my son, to be honest with you, I would not be surprised if he isn't ready to go. Cause right now he's talking about moving to Milwaukee next year and living with his brother and a couple friends and beginning his his schooling at the technical college. I'm not sure he's ready. And if he's not, I have no real expectation. I'm actually just proud that he wants to do something possibly creative.
3: Ever the hands-on dad, Keith even went so far as to arrange an informational interview for all his kids at the local radio station. They got to meet the staff, see how things worked, learn about different jobs in media, and make networking connections.
1: I'm hearing a lot of you living your experience like as if you were unmoored in your son's body and are... (laughs) trying to, like, engineer this, a situation where he can not succeed immediately, which is fine. But you're still trying to engineer a situation. (laughs) And I'm wondering, Keith, is this your son Ben's issue? Or is this more about you trying to wrap your head around trying to fix this for him? That's what I'm wondering. Is this like you're more concerned about your ability to help? Or is it you're actually worried about where he's going to be?
2: Um, well, first off, if my wife was here, she would echo everything you two
3: said <laughs> about me.
2: <laughs> she she is my conscience, and I, I just it it kills me. But she's so right, and I hate admitting that sometimes. But uh, I just want them to be happy. Mm-hmm. I see too many people taking on a lot of debt which I had my own problem with. My wife and I struggled with that ourselves for a while. And I don't want my kids to end up at the end of a four-year degree or whatever and just feel like, okay, now I got all this debt and nothing to show for it. And you may be able to get out of debt, but maybe not. In my my, uh, part-time school bus route, and I delivered mail last year for a while, I drove through these subdivisions, and every time I'd come home, I'd tell my wife, you know, I really wonder what all these people do, because every house is a got a three-car garage. There's a brand-new Jeep Wrangler, a boat, a monster pickup truck, a Harley-Davidson. I don't know what these people do for a living, and Sheboygan is definitely not metropolitan USA.
3: You know what's interesting about this conversation is that it feels to me— Like it's the, and and Rebecca, I want to hear what you think of this as someone who's had kids go all the way. You have now one kid who went all the way through college and is sort of like, two,
1: because my stepdaughter also went all the
3: way through college or whatever. And I have one who's like, you know, just starting, he didn't go to school, but he's out of the house and I have another one who's about to start college. It feels to me like so much of this has to do with our generational problem, which is that, and I talk about this with my friends all the time. I'm 47 years old. I graduated from high school in 1992. My parents and the adults around me graduated in like 1970, 68, that sort of thing. They were told, listen, get a degree, get a good job, buy a house, you'll be happy. Okay, so they did that. And it kind of worked. Then they told us, listen, (laughs) (laughs) go to, kind of, like on some level. (laughs) They were able to at least least like afford a house, you know, whatever. So then they told us, listen, go to school, get a degree, uh, you'll be happy. We were like, gee, I don't know. That seems, it's it just doesn't really add up to what I'm seeing with the way the world is working now. But I'll give it a shot. So we did our little thing. I went to school for theater at NYU. That's not a wise program. That's not a good use of $100,000. <laughs> $100, but it's what I did. And uh, I didn't have anyone to stop me. So I took out loans that I'm still paying. But my kids and this generation, I can't even pretend to tell them, "Yep, here is the path to happiness. I Correct. don't actually know. I don't know if it's go to school, get a good job, and and have a steady paycheck. I don't know if it's screw this whole thing, do whatever you want, this whole thing's on fire anyway, just be, do, do you? Like, I truly don't know. And that gives me a lot of anxiety because, Keith, what I heard you say that really jumped out at me was you just want your kids to be happy. And it made me wonder if you feel like you know what your kids need in order to be happy. And I'm going to let you sit on that question for a minute, because I want to hear Rebecca talk about what her experience was having, you know, sort of like walking kids through the whole process from like middle school to like graduated from college and out, quote unquote, in the world.
1: That's exactly right, Carvel. I, I am 49. I just turned 49 in the fall. And I am acutely aware that I am probably the youngest or I, I guess I'm, like, the youngest generation of, like, uh, homeowners, like, mm. that in, in my peer group, right? I mean, I, with my ex-husband and I, we bought our first house for $108,000 wow. in 1999. And, um, you know, through my life, just for buying and selling houses or whatever, like, I still, I'm still a homeowner. I, I could not afford the house I live in right now. Like, that's just, like, it's insane. Like, I have no expectation that my kids are going to be able to, even if they're wildly successful, replicate the life that I have, even though I have never made like a wild amount of money in my entire life. I also know that my happiness has never tracked with where I've been financially because I've had some really hard times in my adult life after my divorce and all that stuff. So I just, it's really hard to frame that conversation around career, success, money with my kids. I try to frame it around safety. I try to frame it around having a soft place to land. I try to frame it around, I mean, it was a huge goal of mine if my kids wanted to go to school that they were able to get through without financial hardship. But Keith, I actually have another question for you. Because this is something else that I've been thinking about because I'm an empty nester now, truly, because my youngest son, Teddy, is now at college. Aside from your kids being happy, how else are you defining happiness for yourself now that you're entering this phase of your life where your kids aren't going to need you as much anymore to engineer stuff for them to make them happy? Like, how else are you defining that for yourself? Because I will tell you, that's been a huge transition for me. And no one else ever sort of framed it for me, like, that there is a post-parenting life where you do have to stop thinking about your kids all the time. Because if you've done your job, they do not think about you all the time, like, at all. So are you thinking about that yet?
2: They don't think
3: about me all the time are you sure if you've done your job Uh, they shouldn't if if, if you've done your job well
1: they should wake up in the morning and like hardly think about you at all like that means you've done your job and as far as i'm concerned Mm -hmm. right they should be waking up having a satisfying life and be like oh that's right i have a great dad not Mm -hmm. like waking up in the morning and thinking like what does dad think right yeah
2: um my wife only worries about she says, I hope my boys want to still hug me when they get older. And they do right now. I mean, all of them. My Our oldest son is the best at hugging. He always hugs and always says he loves us, which is fantastic. Um, and I, I think he gets a lot of that from his mom. But, um, you know, for me, happiness, I, I'm going to really be honest with you guys. And I probably have not been honest with anyone else to this date. Um, I, I got an early retirement from my last job during COVID. And, you know, it. I did 20 years there. I had a career and I'm happy. I went to school for graphic design. I used my degree all the way through up until then. And what's really nice and what's really makes me happy now is I'm I'm still using that, but for my own uh, happiness. And Honestly, I have such a long to-do list.
1: Like art? You're doing art?
2: Well, it's art. It's because I paint. I, I do some illustration. I've got a book. The working title is, uh, My Life is a Pencil. And,
1: mm, I and, that. and I love it. I love it. I love that.
2: So I've got, I got plenty of things to keep me occupied. Um,
1: Occupied is occupied. But what about happy, Keith? You are, by the way, you're one of the biggest optimists I've ever talked to in my (laughs) entire life. But when you talk about yourself, you still say, I've planned to keep me occupied. Like, I really want you to harness some of the joy that you want for your kids Mm. and, like, focus that light on yourself. Because I really think your kids are doing great. Everything I hear you describing about your kids The way that they're talking about being thoughtful about their own situations. Like your middle son, who's already figured out that he wants to go a non-traditional route, is exploring all these options and you're supporting him. That He's doing great. I got my first real job, Keith, at 35 years old. I started working where I work now in, in 2010. I still work there today, but that was literally my first real job. If I had told my mom when I was in high school, like, I'm going to just bounce around from thing to thing to thing to thing because I have ADHD that's undiagnosed and you don't care or whatever. Uh, And I'm going to fail out of college the first time, which I did. And I'm going to like work retail for a long time and I'm going to be listless. But then I'm going to figure it out in my mid-30s and like land on this like media career. But then I'm going to be pretty successful at it. But it's going to take until I'm 35. My mother would have fallen off the couch because she would have been like embarrassed to say that to her friends or she would have been like, oh, but you need to figure it out. You are so not doing that. And your kids know it, which is why they're comfortable sharing this stuff with you and which is why they're doing so well. And I think I think one of the things I think about when I think about you is I think you can take your foot like halfway off the gas pedal a little bit with them (laughs) And, like, think just a little bit about, like, settling down on the down pillow a little bit for yourself and your wife. I mean, you've talked about, you mentioned your wife a couple of times. You know, maybe you should be thinking about what you guys can do together a little bit. Like, shine the light on that a little bit.
2: Well, it's interesting because my wife's all about music and cooking. And she's got so many things that she's got interests in. And it, it, I mean, it makes me tired sometimes. (laughs) So anyways, uh, long story short, we love to get away, you know, when we can afford an overnight or something like that. We don't live extravagantly. But the one thing that I've been telling my kids, and maybe it's something might come up in conversation for you, is I tell them not don't compare yourself to anyone.
3: Well, this raises a, an important question, though, Keith, because I wonder, I have that question about you, Keith. Do you feel like you know what your worth is outside of what you, how useful you can be to other people, whether that's at your job, whether that's like for your community, for your kids, who you're like deeply useful for? Well, like what value can you find in your life outside of those things?
1: Or how you're spending your yeah. time from eight to six every day? Like, mm. what is like. Um, because I also hear that because you're so focused on your kids' vocations. And I'm also hearing grief mm. for your lost vocation and how you're expressing it when you're thinking about your kids and what your fears are for them and them not doing something that they truly love.
2: Yeah. Um what keeps coming to mind for me since I left that job is public service. And that can be a take a lot of different forms. Um, but Before my bus route in the morning, I just, just for the hell of it, I just check a couple of different news outlets to see what the headline of the day is. And I swear to God, mass shooting, war in Ukraine, Right. you know, there were three mass shootings in 44 hours this week. And how do you talk to your kids about, my son in Milwaukee has a part-time job at 7-Eleven. When I saw him a week ago, we were talking and I said, so how's that job going? And he's like, well, it's OK. It's close to campus in my apartment. But one of our new hires two weeks ago was held up by gunpoint. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you've got to be kidding me. How do you how do you manage that? I mean, you just you know, I, I don't want to I don't want my kids to grow up and feel it's all dread and doom. Because there's a lot of good people out there. There's a lot of good things that are happening. But that's where my optimism is deflated. Right. But
1: that's, but that's what I've been hearing this whole time, Keith. I mean, you you came to this podcast with a parenting dilemma. <laughs> and what I am strongly receiving from you is a Keith dilemma. I am feeling very strongly that you are in a, a transitional point in your life where you are in flux and you are like at this moment where you're like, what is my next chapter?
3: We'll help Keith write his next chapter after the break.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
3: If you rely on how to to write the next chapter of your life, the best way to support the show is by joining Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Signing up for Slate Plus helps us help everyone you hear on our podcast every week. And you'll never get another ad on our show or any other Slate podcast. And you'll get free and total access to Slate's website. So I hope you'll join if you can. To sign up now, go to slate.com/slash how to plus. Again, that's slate.com/slash how to plus. Thanks. We're back with Keith and Rebecca Lavoie, and we're talking about how to prepare our kids for this unpredictable world. One of the things I struggle with raising kids: look, my kids are born in 2003, 2005. That means I raised them through like climate collapse, mass shootings, all this stuff. They were having post like 9/11. post nine eleven. Post nine eleven, they were having Our m- kids have mass never shooting drills. On a
1: plane, right? Without having to yeah. go through like a huge line. So
3: I have raised my kids in a world that is terrifying to me. And so, as a parent, how do you raise the these little people that you love so much, and you just want to protect them from everything, and all you want to do is tuck them in and read them stories and give them plushies and give them like ice cream? How do you pre- prepare them for a world in which there are so many? terrible, ugly things. And the thing that I've learned over the years is that, okay, first of all, you can't prepare your kids for the world. You can't tell them enough stuff because you don't know enough stuff. You can't explain it to them. You can't build enough, um, circumstances for them to be protected from every terrible thing. It's just not possible. The second thing I've learned is that your kids learn more, like 80% of what they learn from you was in what you do. Only 20% of it is in what you say. They learn literally from watching you, just like the old drug commercial. I learned this by watching you. And so you, Keith, are in the process of, and you do have, a way of navigating this world, caring for yourself in this world, being a good person in this world, like building things for yourself and your loved ones in this world. That is what they will learn from. They will emulate that. You don't need to have an answer for them. You just need to have an answer for yourself and let them access it, and they will learn from it. They will build on that. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? That's like a really key thing that I've learned to help me like teach my kids how to navigate this world that, quite frankly, I'm in over my head on. I don't know how to deal with the fact that you know, that your son's coworker was held up at gunpoint. What, what can you do about that as a parent? Right. You can't go down there and take all the guns out of everyone's hands in the whole city of Milwaukee. So it's like, what do you do? Well, all you do is show them how to maintain like humanity in a world That is wild. And I, I just think that you are so good at that and that you get to continue that work. And like Rebecca said, you're at a transition, you're entering into a new phase where you're wondering what's going to happen, but there's so many possibilities, um, that I'm hearing. Like I say, just embrace everything that seems fucking cool to you. Just go do it and tell your kids all about it. And they, that will solve all of their career issues. I assure you.
2: Well, first off, you two missed your calling. You guys should both be therapists. No, thank no, you. You thank nailed you. it. <laughs> you, you nailed me, and I feel guilty even being on this this show now because.
1: Why? No, know, stop I, that. I no, no, no. It to be about me, but He's I. He's doing I know. it again, Carvel. It, it, He's doing it again. He's not making okay, it about okay. him when it's about well, him. I, um,
2: <laughs> you, you know what's funny? It, well, it's not funny, but it is kind of funny. I cannot believe I'm 59 and I'm turning 60 in September. Okay. So it is a big transitional go. year for yep. me. Um, but uh, the scariest thing I've had to do as a parent to date is teach my boys how to drive. Mm. And when I'm in the passenger seat <laughs> and we're going down the road, I don't know about you, but what goes through my mind is all the different things that could happen to mm-hmm. my kid on the road.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and, okay, my older sister was killed by a drunk driver at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So that is, that's definitely scary. That's been the scariest thing.
3: You know, I've done a few scary things in my life. I've had a couple of near-death experiences, a few accidents. I've looked down the barrel of the occasional loaded gun. And I have to say that even among all that, Raising kids and sending them out into the world is, without a doubt, the scariest thing I've ever faced. Like every cell in your body is conditioned to try and keep them from harm. That's like your prime directive. Listen, don't tell my 19-year-old son this, but sometimes when I think about him living in a different city from me, being in an apartment or who knows where, like on a train, on a street corner, the mere thought of it causes a panic attack. I shoot up out of bed and I can't sleep for hours. Not because anything is wrong, but just because this person I love so much is beyond my grasp. I try not to burden him with stuff like that. I mean, why should he hold that? He's just happy to be free. So when I talk to him, I just try to share the happiness.
2: My happiness though, honestly, was the military. um, I worked in public affairs and I told people regularly, you don't even have to pay me to do this. I loved it so Mm. much because I got to meet the most interesting people and do some of the most interesting things. We had presidential visits. We hosted the Blue Angels, worked with the Packers and different organizations. And so I, I hope that you find something in your lives every day or every week where you can say, you know, I do this, but. I don't need to be paid to do, I mean, yeah, the money you got, to have the money to pay the bills, but you know, that's where, you know, I hope to see my kids someday. I hope to be there.
3: Well, I have to say, I feel like talking to you was that thing for me. Like this is, I would do this. It's nice that I get paid to do this because (laughs) I do need to pay the rent, but I feel like (laughs) talking about this stuff. I mean, this is the stuff that I, this is the stuff that I care about with my own children and you know, I'm going to borrow uh, and, and, and alter a segment that we did on Mom and Dad are Fighting, which is Triumphs or Fails. But what I'm gonna talk about is, I'm gonna ask each of us to, um, and I'll start with you, Rebecca, just one moment recently in the last, I don't know, few months or what have you, where you just really enjoyed one of your children, just a moment that you had with them. They said something, they did something, just something about one of your kids that you just found really surprising and and or delightful in parenting.
1: Uh, It happened yesterday uh, when my son started his new job in um, audio production, and he had this very absurd thing happen at work on his first day, and he called me last night, and the first sentence was, Mom, I'm calling you because you're the only person I know who will think this is funny. And I'm like, (laughs) what better way to get a phone call from your child when they understand that you are the only person in the world who Mm. would want to hear this particular story. I'm like, this is what dreams are made of, right? Getting a, A, getting a phone call from your kid and B, because they want to tell you a story that they think that you will think is funny.
3: Yeah. Um, Keith, what about you? Do you have a moment recently in the past few days or weeks that was just uh, delightful parenting?
2: It's, it's fresh off the press. Um, Tuesday was Gabe, our oldest son's 21st birthday. So uh, a couple weeks back, he said, Hey, Dad, I'd love to share my first legal drink with you. <laughs> so it was just a wonderful night out. And, um, but lo and behold, how things can change for parents. The next night, last night he calls and we had to talk him off the edge, the ledge, cause he was just all worked up about tuition work no time all these things now i'm just thinking about how can i help him get through this because it's not as bad as he makes it out to be yeah so
3: well i mean this is what we learn the older we get that it is that's how we get through this we recognize that this moment sucks but this other moment will be great and then this great moment won't last and this shitty moment won't last and once you put that together then life becomes a little bit easier to navigate. Yep. Carvel, um, we didn't hear yes. your triumph. Come yeah. on. Oh, this is so. Oh, this is so simple. My son, who lives in New York. Uh, and he was working this job, and then he got laid off before Christmas, and now he's looking for a new job, and he's living on savings, and he's got a little bit of money saved up from birthdays and whatever, and he's really hanging on by a thread. And, I mean, he's he's got—we have enough protection for him if, if it gets to that. <laughs> but um, in, in the midst of all this, you know, he's, he's learning how to job search and pound the payment and follow up on leads and everything. In the midst of all this, we decided that— um, He calls me all the time for different advice and questions and stuff, but we also decided to just have a standing Sunday phone call.
1: Nice. Oh, nice. Where we
3: don't talk about anything other than just hanging out. We just hang out on the phone, and he just tells me about movies he's seen, TikToks, we talk about just whatever we feel like talking about. We just talk for like an hour, and it's so cool. Like, it's so cool to have that relationship with him. After all these years of me trying to quote-unquote parent him, which is like fighting with him over homework and dishes and doing the laundry and him rebelling and me rebelling back, all that stuff is in the oh, past now. I remember. Now. <laughs> I know you remember. You were there making. So it's so cool that we both have agreed we're done with that. We no longer do that. That's not our relationship. Now we're just two people who love each other. So, Keith, you've had uh, two people talking at you for the better part of an hour, what are some of your takeaways? What is what how do you feel like you might think about this problem that you approached us with differently now that we're at the end of the show?
2: Well, I think the, the, the main point that I'm going to take away personally is um, to kind of back off a little bit and trust and empower my kids to take what my wife and I have taught them and what they've learned on their own and apply it to whatever they're doing, whether that's going to college or career planning or just taking a test on Friday at high school. I need to listen more to my kids, you know, and hear what really what they're saying, what's going on in their heads. You just, like you said, you kind of got to let them go and cut them loose and see.
1: That's right. What he see does. how much you've learned, Keith? You've learned. Yeah, you taught me a lot, you
2: guys.
3: <laughs> I'm
1: going to have to send you a
2: check. A plus.
3: Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, this has been great. I Keith, you're a wonderful guest and a wonderful father. Yeah. I'm so glad that you were able to be well, here. Well it sounds like you guys are um, too, so
2: don't don't give me all the credit. We, I mean I love I'm gonna take we, that one with me. <laughs> make that regular phone call week to week. I think that's a great idea. Keith,
3: just take the compliment. Just take the I compliment. Can't do it. I love
2: recognizing others. I just can't do it for
1: myself. I love that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca, I know you will take this compliment. You're awesome as yes. always.
1: Wonderful talking to you again, Carvel. Always wonderful. Yeah,
3: thank you so much. And I, I'll say just one thing too, that um, this is going to mean so much to so many people listening to it. Like this episode is really going to mean a lot to people. So I just wow. really want you to, to like know that. Thank you to Keith for sharing his parenting journey with us and to Rebecca for putting some of these big questions into context and giving us some great examples from her own life. We'll link to some of her work in the show notes. Do you have a dilemma that's disturbing your sleep? Send us a note at howto at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001 and we might have you on the show. And if you like what you heard today, please give us a rating and a review. Tell a friend. This helps us help more people. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rosemary Belson and Kevin Bendis produced this episode. Merritt Jacob is senior technical director. Amanda Ripley is my co-host and Charles Duhigg created the show. I'm Carvel Wallace. Thanks for listening.